The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. On this episode, we bring you a conversation with Matthew Brock from the mountaineering group The Mazamas. This is Phil Bossi. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined in the studio today. Matthew Brock, how are you doing? Good. Good. Happy to be here. You are the librarian. Is that how I say it? The librarian and historical collections manager? So my official title is library and historical collections manager for the Mazamas. So I'm a librarian by training, an archivist by necessity, and a museum curator by proximity. So I want to get to some of the specifics that you do, because it's really interesting for a small organization to have a librarian and an archivist, which obviously speaks to uh, uh, the purpose and the values of Manzamas, but let's let's talk about who are they. So the Mazamas are a 125-year-old mountaineering organization founded on the summit of Mount Hood. Um, they were founded really to be first and foremost mountain climbers. I mean, they are mountaineers, um, but we also have done scientific research. We've done conservation work. We've done advocacy work. We've done a whole range of things, all of it related to mountaineering and preserving and protecting the mountain environment. So not just Mount Hood? Not just Mount Hood, no. Yeah, no, we've got we've got members all over the world, all over the Northwest. I mean, we're primarily focused in the Northwest, so Alaska to Shasta, east into Idaho, Montana, the Rocky Mountains, but mostly it's the Northwest. It's Oregon, Washington, Northern California. And let's define mountaineering. I know that maybe sounds like a silly question to you a bit, but I mean, does that, if I go up and I camp on the mountain, or if I go up and I ski on the mountain, does that count? As a, as high alpine climbing, no. Um, so there's, our membership encompasses a wide range of things, even though we were founded as a mountaineering organization. Um, so for us, mountaineering is first and foremost mountain climbing. So high alpine, up in the snow, getting to the summit, that's you know, sort of the base of what we do as an organization. But we're also rock climbers. We're also hikers. We're also canyoneers. We're also long-distance runners, um, ramblers. Um, I think that's – there's other things we do, too. <laughs> Those are the big ones off the top of my head. And and, and part, of, part of the mission is protecting the mountains. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who are you protecting them from? Well, we're protecting the mountains so that – access is always available for people to get out and enjoy them. So whether that's uh, working to make sure that areas stay open, make sure that areas are really well managed. So we work with the Forest Service, we work with the BLM, we work with different agencies to make sure that areas aren't getting overused. We advocate for either more access or in some cases reduced access if places are getting overwhelmed. Um, And then we also uh, advocate for you know opening up of areas or working you know to sort of make sure that places stay accessible to our members whether that's for rock climbing mountaineering hiking and that, I mean that seems like a, a, a tricky balance to hold there's a certain paradox is that as you promote mountaineering and you promote uh, uh, being outdoors and loving the mountain you also need to promote 
um, that that would encourage potentially more people to go use it, which is not necessarily where you want to take things. Not necessarily, no. Um, we have for a long time have had a sort of an ethos within the organization to be very respectful of the mountains and to be very respectful of trails. And we do a lot of trail stewardship work. We do a lot of uh, rehabilitation work, uh, particularly in the gorge now after the fire in the last couple of years. They've been a lot, been a lot of work out there. Um, so, yeah, it is. there's a balance between promoting being outside but then not allowing the outside to get, you know, overrun and trampled. And that's that's a... It's an ongoing thing. Yeah. And I, I would imagine intensifying over the past uh, decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And ha have you seen uh, within within the organization, has membership gone up in the last 10 years as Portland has become more populated? Um, how has how how is the organization uh, served as a gauge for the changes in Portland's population? So there's two different ways to look at that. Um, membership for us continues to rise at about 3% a year. So not a dramatic increase. That said, there is a caveat to what it means to be a Mazama member. In order to be a member, you have to have summited a glaciated peak under your own power. So you can't ride a gondola. You can't take a car to the top. You literally <laughs> right, have right. to walk. That, that does seem like cheating. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the threshold for membership. It's been that way for 125 years. So there are we have a little over 3,700 people who have done that and gone on to be members. Now, we have several thousand people that interact with the Mazamas that are not on members, that are not, you know, membership status. But they go on hikes, they go on rambles, they, they do all sorts of things outside of being members of the organization. And Mazamas has a, a couple physical locations to it as well. I, I think perhaps best known is the lodge on uh, just past government mm -hmm. camp. Yep. So we have two different facilities. We have the headquarters building here in Portland on 43rd and Stark, which is called the Mazama Mountaineering Center. And so th that's that's a, a, a renovated church mm -hmm. sort of near Laurelhurst. I mean, yep. very, you guys are very fortunate to have that property. Yeah, we got it in 2007 after a five-year search where they looked at oh, oh, dozens of buildings around town and landed on... The, it was the old Seventh Day Adventist Church building that we've now renovated, and it goes. We call it the MMC, the Mazama Mountaineering Center. And it still has the stained glass windows. Still has the stained glass windows, yes. <laughs> uh, but 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 I, I'm assuming that the the rock, the climbing walls were put in after the uh, after the church. Yes, after the church left. Yeah. So we have two climbing walls, and then we have a an indoor ice climbing wall, which is a. It's not actual ice, but it's a... <laughs> that would be amazing. A, yeah, it would be pretty phenomenal if it was actual ice. It's a simulated... Uh, it's this kind of crazy high-density plastic that sort of self-heals. It's a, it's a crazy thing. So you can use ice axes and crampons and climb on it and do all sorts of crazy things. And that, Yeah. And then our other facility is the lodge up at Mount Hood. That is actually our third mountain lodge. We've had three, three lodges. The first one was outside of Rhododendron. Uh, in the 20s, and then they built another one in the 50s. It burned down in 1959, and the current lodge is built on the foundation of the second lodge. And that that is something I've I've I took my family up there last year, and and it's it's great. You you park, you snowshoe up. You have to there's there's a heavy duty rope that that you can use to guide your way, and uh, it it is it feels really far away, even though it is 
you could sled to almost sled to government camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh the lodge is uniquely situated where you feel pretty remote even though you're really not. <laughs> and we were lucky enough to go there at a time that 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 we really had the whole lodge to ourselves. I mean it, it it was a little bit, you know, of the shining experience. Uh it, it, is that normal? I don't mean the the shining part of it, but just um how well how how active is the the lodge? It really depends on the time of year and what's going on. Um, you know, members make use of it quite quite a bit. In the summer, it gets a lot of use. We run day camps out of there. We run the Mazama Mountain Science School out of there. Um, ski groups use it. Uh, Mazama Climbs use it for climbs in Mount Hood. They'll stay overnight there and then take off from there in the morning, early in the morning, to get up to the summit. So it really just sort of depends on the season, the time of year, what's going on, who's who's got the lodge booked for different things. This is the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. This is Phil Bussey. I'm talking to Matthew Brock, who is the Manzama Library and Historical Collections Manager. We're going to take a quick song break. Now, you 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 were talking before we, we went on the air about um, a song that uh, members often sing. It sounds like an unofficial anthem. So for many, many years, the annual meeting has ended, the annual celebration has ended with the singing of a song called Happy Wanderer. And it's just this song about being out on the trail and walking and hiking. And it's we have a 96-year-old member who has led it every year for 50 years, I think. He gets up and, and sings it for us. So, happy wanderer. I love to go wandering along the mountain track. And as I go, my knapsack on my back.
This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour. I'm joined in the studio today with Matthew Brock, who is Manzama Library and Historical Collections Manager. Uh, we've been talking about uh, we've been talking about the mountains, mountaineering, uh, the role that Manzamas play with uh, preserving and uh, stoking excitement mm -hmm. about the mountain. Let's 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 talk a little bit about you. How did you, how did you first get interested in in outdoor experiences or mountain and specifically mountaineering? Well, I actually came to the organization not as a mountaineer. Um, I've been a hiker and a backpacker and have gotten sort of marginally into rock climbing. Um, but high alpine stuff is not really my, that's not really my cup of tea. <laughs> um, but hiking, backpacking, that, that area of stuff I, I really enjoy. And so that was my entry point into the organization. And and how I mean, how does the membership deal with that? I mean, is there a an elitism that that comes with with being mountaineers, or is it is it uh, you know all comers are welcome? Um, speaking personally, <laughs> I've always been I've always felt very welcome. Um, I think I also have a really unique position within the organization in that you know I I sort of oversee the library and the 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 you know unofficial keeper of history and so people have been very welcoming and accepting of me um on a general s scale i mean the mazamas can be whatever whatever you need it to be if you're a hiker then it's a great hiking organization if you're a high alpine climber then it's a fantastic high alpine climbing if you get into it for education we've got a whole range of education programs that we offer uh to people and to members and non-members alike if you know, if you live in town and really all you want to do is go on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night walk, we've got rambles. And so there's different ways that you can engage with the organization. And I don't think any of them look disparagingly at any of the other segments of the organization. And I mean, the organization to me is really interesting in terms of, in relationship to your position. Now, it's 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 uh, several, a half dozen full time staff. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And for one of those to be an archivist is really remarkable. I mean, that is something that, that normally you'd see at a, at a, at a university uh, or maybe as a, you know, tacked on to the, a hobby of, of one of the other staff. But the, you're a full-time archivist, librarian. What do you do? Or, and well, first off, why? Why, why, do, why this decision to uh, carve that out into the administration? So the... I'll back up a little bit and give you give you a little bit of history that led up to me being hired. Um, the library, the library itself is over a hundred years old, um, and the archives are close to that. I mean, not as an official archive, but the organization has been keeping records for 125 years, and at some point there was an official sort of designation. Okay, we're going to start keeping all of these things. For I think the library now is 140 five years old and for a hundred and four of those years it was before I was hired there was a, a gentleman who was hired for just under a year as a paid librarian something some some things happened he ended up giving up his salary he continues to volunteer he's been been volunteered there for 35 years now um, and so there was this cadre of longtime volunteers in the library and they had been keeping, keeping things going, keeping things going. And finally, they got to the point where they had all retired professionally and they were doing this on their own. And they finally decided, you know what, we're tired of volunteering. So they went to council and the council, and they said, basically, you need to hire somebody. So the council 
put together a package, put it out. Um, I and several other people applied. I got hired. I got very lucky. I got fortunate. Um, and it really, I think, speaks to the value that the organization puts on its history. Um, we are one of really only a handful of mountaineering libraries left in the United States that has a paid librarian on staff. Um, it's us, the Sierra Club, uh, the American Alpine Club, Explorers Club in New York City, um, and I'm blanking on the other one. Uh, and those are all much larger organizations. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in terms of, of staff size. Yeah, much bigger. And there's a difference between library and archives. Yes. Yeah. And so let's let's talk about the library first. So so I mean, do I do I picture an actual like a public library and you guys have shelves mm -hmm. and I could come in and pick out a book that yep. is the the history of Mount St. Helens. Yep. Yep. So we have we have a physical library that has 4700 books in circulation. We are mountaineering. So it's heavily weighted towards anything to do outside. So hiking, climbing, rock climbing, backpacking, snowboarding, skiing. Um, we try to answer f three basic questions, the how to do it, so that's sort of the technical guides, the where to do it, that's the guidebooks, and then the who has done it, so that gets you into the sort of the historical narratives of things, biographies, that kind of thing. Um, so those are the three big, those are the three big things we try to answer. So, so let's, let's use a test uh, balloon here. Does John Krakauer into thin air or into the wild make it in? Or is, I mean, Absolutely. Is, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Everest, anything to do with Everest always makes it into a mountaineering library because Everest, Everest was what drove mountaineering for decades, um, centuries, actually, if you go back far enough. I mean, it, it's what got people into mountaineering outside of the Alps was this need to climb to the top of Everest. Um, so our Everest selection is several hundred, probably several hundred titles on Everest alone. Well, what is what is the uh, um, oddest book that that you feel like is in the collection, or an an, an oddity? An oddity. Um, well, for a mountaineering library, I always find mountaineering poetry to be not not odd, but entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of it, but we do have some of it. I can imagine, and and uh, I mean, and God forbid you guys were to open up to like uh, college entrance exams, right, or college entrance essays of the, <laughs> I, I I climbed a mountain and had the epiphany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's switch over then to the archives. So these are archives uh, specifically about Manzama members and about Mount Hood or about Pacific Northwest. What 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 are you archiving? Um, all of the everything you just said. Um, so our archives are a couple of different things. There's a substantial photo collection. We have, so in archives, you, you measure everything by linear feet. So that's shelf boxes on shelves. Um, so we have about 600 linear feet of photographs, well over a million photographs that date from the mid 1800s all the way up to the present. And that captures not only Mazama activities, but any kind of outdoor related activity in the northwest so in there are hikes there are climbs there's early rock climbing there's snowshoeing we've got snowshoeing on mount hood from the early 1900s photos of that um, and then there's all of the phenomenal mountaineering phot photography that came out of the late 1800s mid to late 1800s all the way up you know to last week i mean we're getting digital stuff now um, so that's one section of it. Then we have a manuscript collection that runs uh, several hundred feet, and that's personal papers given back to the organization by members. So that can be correspondence, it can be journals, it can be articles that they've written. 
Uh, we have a small oral history collection. Uh, and then we're also the institutional records repository for the organization. So uh, for 125 years, at any given time, there's been roughly, oh, between 15 and 20 committees. Each of those committees has uh, policy documents. They produce minutes. They have agendas. They do reports. And so we keep all of that. Now, buried inside of what on the outside sort of seems kind of boring, um, in those are uh, the Mazama glacial research papers and photographs. So the Mazamas were some of the first people to use airplanes to photograph glaciers in the Northwest. And so we have this amazing collection from the 20s and the 30s, 40s, of aerial photography and measurements of glaciers from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that are still being used uh, by universities come, you know, Portland State University sends students over to look at our records that then they can then go out and, and compare them to what's going on today. I think it'd be, uh, it's an interesting challenge. Uh, you started explaining the archives by talking about linear feet. Mm -hmm. That seems like a metric that no longer is relevant uh, in, in terms, uh, as relevant in terms of Yes, 1890s, turn of the century, uh, 1920s. It was a chore to get a photograph, and there just weren't as many photographs mm -hmm. in the world. Uh, whereas now, I mean, Instagram can produce, you know, countless... Gigabytes a second. <laughs> gig gigabytes a second. You know, and I think that there's, that there's, there's two folds uh, to the challenge that, or opportunities for you is, one, you can store as much as you want. Mm -hmm. In, in, a, in a hard drive that takes up three inches of linear feet. Mm -hmm. However, it also maybe takes away from the uniqueness or the specialness of those photographs because you're just you're 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 overwhelmed in an yes. avalanche, so to yeah. speak. Of so, how how do you deal with the digital age as an archivist and 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 photographs in particular? Um, that's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. So we try to look at digital preservation with an eye towards, you know, understanding that there's a lot out there. Um, we try to keep, you know, first and foremost, we're interest, interested in images of Mazamas doing Mazama activities. In then, So inside of that bubble, then you try to make sure that it's visually captivating. It's got people in it. It's... Um, it's in some way indicative of that particular outing. And then you, you know, you try to keep a representative sample of something. You'd, you, you'd be buried in terabytes of data if you didn't. And, with the, and, and, and when you are archiving, who, who are you considering your audience? Are you considering an audience 25 years out, 100 years out, uh, or a present day? Uh, hopefully all three. I mean, we try to, we try to cur curate collections of stuff that we can use internally for promotional stuff or for emails or for publications. You know, we put out an annual every year. We put out a bulletin. We put out weekly emails. We put out all that, you know, presentations. All the different committees put things out. So we try to have images that people can use right now. But then we also are trying to save stuff for 100 years from now so that they then can look back and use the things that we're using from 125 years ago to help tell this longitudinal story of the organization. And speaking of uh, uh, next chapters for Manzamas, um, let's let's uh, we're coming to the end of the show here, but I want to talk about you have a new executive director. We do have a new executive director. 
Uh, and, and the old one was there for more than a decade, I believe. So Mitsu is our, I think, fifth executive director. Um, and our previous one was there maybe a decade. For some reason, seven years sticks in my head. But he was in, in the role of executive director, I think, seven or eight years. But then he was also on staff before that. So okay. he had been around for quite a while. What what is the hope with the uh, new executive director? What is what is uh, is there a hallmark uh, that 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 uh, the board of directors is looking for with this new hire? Um, someone to really sort of help take us into the future. You know, the the nature of outdoor recreation is changing. Um, the face of it is changing. It's it's becoming a lot more diverse, um, and that's something that the Mazamas are really embracing. Um, you know, we're a 125-year-old mountaineering organization founded on the summit of Mount Hood. That's kind of limiting in who it can be. So one of his big challenges is to take that history and make it more diverse, to get more people that aren't, you know, that aren't limited in their resources and their time and their finances to be able to get them to be more engaged in the outdoors. And that's that's sort of his big challenge, I think. Great. That that is uh, it's it's a good challenge to uh, to have have set down and and then final question for you is um, favorite mountain. Do I have a favorite mountain? Yeah, well, what's, what's, or a favorite mountain or or a hike that you could recommend or, for people? Oh well, you know the Mazama's Mount Hood has always been our mountain. Um, I personally like Tom Dick and Harry Mountain, the trail up Tom Dick and Harry, because you get up to that beautiful overlook and Mount Hood is like literally right there across the lake and. It's, you can reach out and touch it almost. Wonderful. Matthew Brock is uh, Manzama Library and Historical Collections Manager. Thank you for coming in and talking with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.